Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoy it. If you're enjoying Pirate Living Podcasts and all the content we bring to you each week, you can support us and buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash pirate living. Other ways you can show your support as well, subscribe and follow Pirate Living Podcast, rate and review our show, and share this podcast with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at Pirate Living Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes, awesome guests, and bonus clips. Pop in and say hi. We love chatting with fellow pirates. You can also reach out to us uh, to learn more about our individual and group coaching programs. And as usual, keep creating good trouble. And now on to today's episode. Welcome to Pirate Living Podcast. We're your hosts, Karan and Kristen. On this podcast, we are highlighting ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are pirates who take small, bold actions daily to create social change. Pirate life is all about rebelling and breaking the rules for good. Creating lasting social change starts by first breaking our inner rules. After all, the hardest rules to break are your own. The pirates we highlight have dedicated themselves to creating good trouble. Today we are talking with Scarlett Stanhope, the biz hippie. Scarlett is an abundance and life coach who teaches people how to master their money so they can thrive in their business and change the world. Scarlett blends business strategy with the spiritual world to help her clients set goals that get them excited to wake up each day. And Scarlett, we are glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) So yeah, you've created a unique business as the Biz Hippie, and we'd love for you to take us on the journey that got you started on this pirate path that you're on today. Yeah, absolutely. It was such a journey getting to the point that I am at now because now I uh, call myself a hippie and I talk about my hippie self and my hippie life all the time. And I have several hippie based modalities. You know, when I teach my yoga classes at the beginning, I always say, I'm Scarlett. I'm a yoga instructor, life coach, Reiki practitioner, pain relief person. And it's just this list of many, many things of that I do, but it all comes together under this umbrella of creating a thriving life. But I wasn't always this huge flowy pants traveling Reiki hippie that I am today. As most people know me, I used to be a, and still am parts of myself, a type A high achieving perfectionist businesswoman. And growing up with that mindset led me to a place where I was really a shell of a person. I was very, very hollow and empty with who I was because I had lived my life so much so for other people and doing what other people wanted me to do or what I thought I was supposed to be in order to have a successful life and do the right thing and be the best human that I could be. So I went to school for business management, accounting, and finance because I thought that was the most successful thing that I could do. And I am a great employee. You know, I was Mm -hmm. in the restaurant industry for several years. And from the ages of 16 and through college, I was working late night restaurant industry and even was managing restaurants from the time I was 18 and on. I was this 
like hardcore manager, determined to be the best, determined to be really strict, wearing four inch heels, wearing a full face of makeup. I owned more blazers than I owned pairs of jeans or leggings at the time. And people, I tell this to people and people who know me now are so surprised because I am a flowy pants wearing, non-makeup wearing, (laughs) washing my hair once a month type of person now. So uh, getting from this place where I was so misaligned in my life, living so much from this place of fear and scarcity and lack. And it was quite a journey dragging myself out of that place. And for me, I really needed to hit a rock bottom. I really needed to hit a low point. And so much was screaming at me in my life to change that I ignored for a long time, you know, being really uh, detrimental to my health, not listening to what my body needed, not listening to what my soul was calling me to do. And it led me down a really negative downward spiral. My posture was all jacked up from wearing heels. I was covered in eczema from stress. I had migraine headaches constantly. I was in a really uh, not positive relationship, negation acknowledged, (laughs) where I I was very misaligned with this person that I was with at the time. And it really needed a deep spark in order to get the ball rolling for me to recognize, wow, this is where my life is now. And I don't want it to be this way anymore. And it was from hitting that rock bottom point from having this really eye opening near death experience of like really being faced with life or death to decide, okay, I'm ready to change. And then from there, I just started to gain more and more momentum in pulling myself away from the things that were misaligned and starting to say yes to the things that are in alignment with my best life. And it has been a brave life, a brave journey of stepping away from the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing and the things that I dedicated myself to doing for my whole life. And then starting to say yes to these other things and opening new doors into my life and getting into yoga was really the first step for me and was a huge, huge game changer. And since then, so much has unfolded to lead me to where I am now. Yeah, I think so much of your uh, story resonates with, I would, I'm going to speak for both of us here, (laughs) because we both have realized that we were living lives that we should be living or Mm -hmm. doing things to please others. And I think that's such a huge um, thing with all the pirates that we talk to and interview is that um, coming to that realization that we're not doing what we want to do. And I think it's so it seems so rare for people to have that realization and to to make the change. So what was it that like, was there a pivotal moment or what was it that made you realize that you had to change what you were doing? Yeah, absolutely. I've talked about this before on other podcast episodes too. It's a really important theme. And for me, what I've discovered is something has to spark the change. There has to be some sort of spark because it doesn't matter what else is going on around you in your life. It doesn't matter if you necessarily have other people telling you what to do or what you should be doing until you realize it for yourself. You know, there were so many signs in my life at any point in time I could have said, oh, you know what? This isn't working. I'm unhappy. 
But the funny thing is, is even though I was so unhappy, even though I was so depressed, even though I'd be driving home in the middle of the night, driving 100 miles an hour on the highway with the music blasting and screaming and tears pouring down my face, like I still didn't realize that I was unhappy mm-hmm. and that life shouldn't be this way, which sounds crazy because you think at that point you notice that something's not right. But mm-hmm. if you're in it, and you don't have any other reference point. You're just like, this is the way life is. I'm just always going to be this way. Especially because I was, I was young too. I'm very lucky to have had a life transformation early on in my life. So um, even though all of this chaos was happening and I wasn't connecting the dots to recognize that something needed to change and that I could do it, what really happened to me was I did have a really powerful experience that sh- started the snowball of shifting everything. And so in my eyes, what this experience was, was a near death experience. Although the reality of the situation was that I was not near death, but to me in the experience, I absolutely thought I was dying and was facing death. So the actual story Mm -hmm. is it was late at night And I was leaving my late night restaurant job. So I was very used to leaving around 2 a.m. And uh, I popped on over to the neighboring bar like I often did and was halfway through drinking a beer when the uh, cannabis edible that I had taken kicked in. And what had happened was someone gave me this edible And they also handed me like a little to-go container. And they're like, here, hold this to-go container. Here's your half of this edible. And I ate the edible. And then she goes, where's your edible? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I ate it. And she was like, you ate the whole thing? And I was like, what do you mean I ate the whole thing? Of course, the whole thing. You just handed it to me. And she was like, that's what the to-go container was for. And I was like, holy shit. And this was at a point in my life when... You know, I'm a super lightweight when it comes to cannabis anyway. And I was very new to cannabis. I didn't have a positive developed relationship with cannabis. So this was like 30 milligrams and I would be flying high on five milligrams. And so I was like halfway through this beer and I was like, I need to leave. I need to go home now. And so luckily at the time I was staying with my partner my boyfriend at the time, I don't don't even think partner is the right word, my boyfriend (laughs) at the time, he lived 10 minutes down the road. So I drive to his house. I'm starting to get that tunnel vision. I'm a little freaking out. I get home. It's late. It's probably 3 a.m. And I get into bed. He's already asleep. And he like wakes up when I get there and starts to canoodle with me. And I'm just like, go away. Like, I don't want to deal with you. (laughs) He falls back asleep. And then I'm laying there and I have this profound blasted out of my mind experience where I literally feel my soul rising out of my body. And I have these big epiphanies about my life, about how things could be different and what I could be doing and having these deeper realizations about myself. You know, things were just clicking into place and they really made sense. And then I felt my soul come back into my body and then I felt it fall behind me, like move back behind me and into the bed beneath me. And so I'm having all of these awarenesses and these clickings together, like these big epiphanies about my life. And then my next thought was, oh my gosh, I'm dying 
and I'm having seizures. And that's why I'm having these epiphanies is because I'm experiencing death and I'm back in my body now, but I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here because I'm having seizures and I'm dying. And this is what death feels like. And I genuinely was in so much fear and so much anxiety and was high out of my mind that I really genuinely believed that I was dying, especially since, again, I didn't have a positive relationship with cannabis and didn't know a lot about it. So in my mind, I was like, of course you can overdose from cannabis. This is a drug. It's bad. I could die at any moment. And I'm lying here next to this person who doesn't speak English when I speak English, speaks a different language than me. And I'm covered in eczema. I've been the most depressed I've ever been in my life. I've been in this low vibe. And I genuinely believe that I am dying. And I remember laying there and thinking, well, if I'm going to die, I do not want to die here. Like, I do not want to die here and die next to this person in this house with this being my life. And it was really, really hard for me to get up out of that bed and actually make the decision to move forward. Because part of me was like, well, okay, I guess this is it. I mean, if I'm really dying, I guess I'll just let this happen and surrender control completely, you know, continue to be the victim of my life. But instead I said, you know what? Okay, like, let's do it. And I got up, walked outside, sat in my car at 4 a.m. and called my mother on the phone crying and sobbing and saying, oh my gosh, I'm having seizures. I'm dying. And it was a really pivotal moment in my life because, you know, leading up to this, I had totally separated myself from my family. I had totally separated myself from these relationships and I had disconnected from my mother in so many ways and hadn't she didn't even know that I was someone that partook in cannabis. And it's because I was hiding all these parts of my life because I was a perfectionist and didn't want people to know that I was suffering or struggling. And so that moment when I called her, it was bigger than just asking for help. It was finally opening that door and saying, you know, this is who I am right now. This is where I am right now. And I, I need help. And she came to get me and drove and came to get me. And that really opened the door on our relationship and taking that step to make a decision for me and my life really got the ball rolling and changed everything from that moment, even though it was slow. It wasn't like, a, oh, now everything's better now that I made that one decision. <laughs> you know, I still had to do 50 million other steps after that. But that was the first spark mm -hmm. that really started to change everything in a big way. As someone that like maximum takes five milligrams of an edible, I can't even imagine 30 milligrams myself. I'm like, wow. I, I'm like you, I'm a lightweight. Yeah. The other, what, like two or so weeks ago, my husband smokes cannabis. I don't. And I was trying one just because, and I didn't realize that until like four hits into my tobacco bag that I thought was tobacco was tobacco and cannabis. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so yeah, I just that I was like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, 30 milligrams. I I would be like, I, I I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, yeah. And this this process for me has definitely been even my relationship with cannabis has totally evolved since then too. But it is a pattern for me where I'll have these bigger 
epiphanies and realizations and then feel like I'm dying, even if I'm totally safe. But it's it's just these extremes that cannabis brings into my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go back to, to a little bit to when you were talking about like, I was a really good employee. Um, because like, that's something that as mm-hmm. you were saying that I was like, yeah, I was, I was a really good employee too. And actually it's something that I've noticed recently in myself. I'm still working on figuring out <laughs> what it is where I'm willing to like, continue to say yes to things to for other people instead of for myself. Um, because yeah, I was, I was a great employee. I said yes all the time. Like <laughs> they kept promoting me. Um, I'd be like, if I said yes, I'm like, yeah, it's uh, it, the money is great. Like I loved having the overtime. It's fantastic to have it brings in more. Um, and then, yeah, going from that to quitting, quitting my job where I have this constant, um, paycheck coming in to realizing, um, or just to figuring out what I want to do to now I've started working for other people watching their kids. And I'm like, I'm setting boundaries. I'm going to do these things. And then I slowly watch those boundaries slip away again. And I'm like, where, why? (laughs) (laughs) So that people pleasing that needing um, to meet the needs of others before yourself. Like I wanted to go back to and talk about that because that is such, it's even later on, it's one of those layers that just keeps, it goes down so deep. So you keep peeling things away or I do at least. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And and it's so interesting to uncover, you know, this relationship within yourself of what it is we choose to prioritize in our lives. And for me, a lot of my childhood taught me to that I needed to be perfect, that I needed to be a straight A student in order to receive praise. And because I did go to boarding school from ages like seven to 13. So there's a huge chunk of adolescence in my life where I was just constantly surrounded by authority figures. And that led to, you know, having migraines as an eight year old, because it was just this constant need to be perfect from all angles. And so I feel that a lot of us develop these tendencies from childhood, from these conditionings, from school and education that tells us this is how we need to be. And it's interesting to see how that continues to unfold in our adult lives, where it's what are we willing to sacrifice and give up for ourselves in order to satisfy some other external need or someone else's need, even when we're the ones that are getting sacrificed in the process. We've, we've talked a little bit on here before about like boundaries around work, which I have very few. (laughs) (laughs) I admit. Um, And it does feel different though, working for myself versus working for someone else. And I, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it feels it is different in that I'm not, uh, I, I feel like I'm still a good employee. It's just, I'm also now the boss and it's a, it's an interesting one to like deal with because sometimes I'll have someone say like, man, your boss is a bitch. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like that's me. Um, how do you kind of move beyond that? Um, even if you're kind of working for yourself and not, not being a so-called employee anymore. 
Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Something that I love to look through the lens of, and this ties really nicely into the work that I do as well. And it applies to so many, every, it applies to every situation. I'm going to go ahead and use that very binary word (laughs) is, you know, digging back the layers to say, what is the energy behind the actions that you're taking? And so a lot of us will be constantly operating from a place of necessity or should, like I should be you know, working hard in order to get the praise. I need to work more hours because I need the money. And when you like tear back those layers, what you see is the motivation is driven by something of scarcity, something of lack, something of not enoughness. Like I don't have enough money, so I need to work more hours. I don't want to be a failure, so I need to prove that I'm a hard worker. And this more negative-based, scarcity-based, lack-based motivation, if that's driving a lot of your actions, then those are also the results that you're going to be attracting into your life because our life is this awesome machine where you put energy in and you get energy out, you juice an orange, you get orange juice. So if you're, if you're constantly putting this negative-rooted motivation, this fear, this lack motivation into the driving force of your actions, then you're going to get more results like that and find yourself in this cycle of trappedness to say, well, why isn't it working? Like I'm working so hard to try and get more money because I don't have enough. Yet no matter how hard I work or how much I do, I still feel like I don't have enough. And it's because the energy of not enoughness is the thing driving the actions and therefore you're getting more not enough results. So when it comes to shifting all of this, the thing that I love to do is peel back all of these layers and come back to what is the intention and the energy and the motivation driving all of your actions. And when I talk about action, what I am often referring to is the way that you're spending your time, your energy, and your money. And if any of those are outputting, which they constantly are all of the time, it's what's the energy and the motivation driving those outputs. You know, are you spending your time motivated through excitement and passion and saying, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to record this podcast episode because I love talking about my work and service? Or do I feel like, oh, I have to do this because this is what successful businesses do. And, you know, it's, it can be the same action, but the energy behind it can be creating a very different vibe to the action itself and therefore be creating different results. So when it comes to those boundaries, it's uncovering the why behind the yeses that you're saying and also the no's that you're saying. So if your boundaries are being crossed, it's recognizing, is it because of this not enoughness energy that's driving me? Oh, well, I guess I'll make this compromise because I should in order to be a good human or in order to get more, or is it out of this place of abundance and positivity and love and light to say, yes, of course, you know, because that's a very different energy and going to yield a very different result. As, as you're talking to, I'm like thinking about like, okay, well, what energy am I bringing to when I, when I've said yes to certain things, like when I first started 
um, doing babysitting. It was for my friend for, who needed help for her daughter. I was like, yes, I'm on that one. <laughs> and then after a while, I was like, well, I could do some more. And I'm like, hmm, am I, am I doing it? Cause I'm bored. <laughs> am I doing it? Cause I wanted to. So yeah, you got me thinking here now too. I'm like, where am I coming from with this when I say yes to things? So mm-hmm. yeah. Cause there's always a motivation, whether you're aware of it or not, there's always some driving factor. There's always some reason behind what the yes is. And it, again, it can always be the same thing, even when it comes to the motivation of making money, because we do live currently in a society where we need money in order to survive. But there's one thing of like, oh my gosh, I don't have any money. Like I need money to survive. I have to get a job to make money. Like that's a very rooted in a moving away from energy. Like I want to move away from this fear of scarcity. I want to move away from this life where I don't have enough. Or you could really be focusing on the life that you do want to create. And you say, Oh, great. I'm so excited to create more freedom in my life. I'm so excited to travel. I'm so excited to get to pay my bills on time and be a responsible adult. And therefore, like, yes, I will sacrifice some of my time for money, you know, and discovering what the motivation currently is. And then once you have that awareness, you can shift your motivation to the outcome that you want to create and the energy that you want to be operating from. Yeah, I think it's really like a combination of both things, right? Like, hey, I have a mortgage to pay. So you better get get getting. But also of like, uh, you know, as someone that takes clients and works, uh, you know, very much on referrals, when uh, one of my clients that I love brings me a friend and is like, hey, I think you guys would be a really good fit. And I'd love to see you work together. That's what I find a really hard time to say no to because I'm like, yes, I have one more awesome person that I get to work with. I'm just going to do it on my day off. <laughs> like, um, I find, so it is a combination of both. And, and it's like just, yeah, finding that capacity to like, fit people in and and that's where the boundaries tend to cross like I don't work Wednesdays well that's not true (laughs) (laughs) but I mean I yeah it's it's interesting because you know as as someone that like you said has the the mortgage and the bills and all of those to to be paid um it it like you said it's just a reality of life of like you have to work to do that and um, I feel like those of us that are lucky enough to do the work that we love in order to pay those bills. So I've definitely made more money as an employee um, and all the benefits and stuff that come with being an employee. But I often tell people I no longer cry at work. And that's a big difference. So. Mm-hmm. And a huge benefit too. You know? <laughs> like, it's yeah. worth it. It's worth the exchange of the extra money to be happy doing what you yeah. love doing. And I really want to touch on what you said about, you know, it sounds like with these referrals and that, oh, I'll just take one more. It is out of this place of love to say like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so grateful to get to share my gifts and support you. Mm-hmm. And that's where I love to start to dig into you know, multiple priorities. We all have a list of things that are important to us, things that we value. And then it's up to us to 
bring awareness into that and prioritize what is important to us and making sure we're honoring all of those values and all of those priorities. Because if one value is being of service to the world and healing our clients and growing our business, that's amazing. And another priority is self-care and taking care of our bodies and having time to have a nice clean home and go for walks and (laughs) do yoga classes or whatever it is. But there's a list of priorities. And so maybe the balance isn't just the energies driving the motivations, but also is your energy being evenly distributed across all of your priorities, all of the things that you value to make sure that everything that is important is being honored in some way. Yeah, I, I like that there because well, like you said there, you had the three. Okay. I remember money and time. What was the third thing? Energy. Energy. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> now I'm thinking of it. I'm like, of course, let's all tie together. And um that like what I've noticed in my head too is the scarcity of time, I think is the biggest one that comes up for me, especially now. And I'm like, I have a load of time, but somehow there's still a scarcity of time. It's like, well, what did I just do with that last two hours of my life? Um, not a lot, but there's like it used to I've moved um from like the scarcity of money, um, and which also might have been a scarcity of time though, too, because when I was in scarcity of money, I was working a lot. I was barely ever home. Mm-hmm. And now this week, the fa- family I work for is on spring break. I have all this extra time. And yet in my head, I'm not getting done any of the things that I thought I could get done in all this extra time. So yeah, um, those, how these things all tie in and noticing where we are in lack and feeling that scarcity. Um, this is a fun conversation. And, and I also <laughs> like how, yeah, these things come up. And if I feel like I'm lacking time or money, my energy gets depleted. And yeah, and then I feel drained. And no wonder I burned out hard when I was working <laughs> in my job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Because they are they are all connected this time is really a trio. And if you have imbalance in one, what I've noticed, especially working with my clients, there's often an imbalance in the others, because it's, it's all the way that you're acting, the way that you're giving your energy to the world is through how you're spending your time, your energy and your money. And so your relationship to one is your relationship to others. But it's especially as you rectify your relationship and heal your relationship with one, you know, there can still be that imbalance in other areas. And it does come back to this energy of not enoughness. And do I fear that I don't have enough? And how can we come back to what we do have, the time that we do have, the energy we do have, the money that we do have, and being intentional with what we're prioritizing, what we're choosing, and what we are focusing on instead of what we're not focusing on, what we didn't get done, what we can't afford. And that, again, comes back to that shifting to what we do want, what we want to create, and also being grateful for what we have. That's the other thing is when we're acting or giving our resources or spending our time, our energy, or money, yes, we might be 
losing, quote, losing that amount of money, losing that amount of time, losing that amount of energy, but we're gaining something as a result for that. You know, even if you have to pay your mortgage and you have to pay your mortgage by giving that money or giving your time to your work in order to make that money, you're getting the home and the security of the home and your space. So it's also recognizing that for every exchange, it is an exchange. So you're receiving something and recognizing the value and the priority of what it is you are receiving into your life. Just letting that sink. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah. (laughs) Again, great conversation to be having as I'm like noticing in my head, I'm like, yeah, I can blame it on the allergies all I want, but I've just, <laughs> I, I've been coming at it more from a place of like, oh, I have to do this. And it's a great reminder. Like our words matter. <laughs> the words that we're using, how we're coming about it makes a difference on how we, how we feel about something and we get to choose. Um, and just being aware of how we're speaking to ourselves in those moments can help um, to make those shifts. So yeah, <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. So what is the uh, social rebellion that you have started or want to start with your work? Yeah, absolutely. And it ties so nicely into this conversation that we're having. And for me, that is all about being able to create a thriving life and recognizing that we all have the power to create a thriving and aligned life. And a lot of the work that I teach and that I do that enforces this belief and empowers this belief is by being really intentional with what you have, being intentional with your resources and using them in a way so that you are in control. You're in control of your life. You're in control of how you choose to create your reality. So that's the umbrella of the social rebellion But what that looks like is getting to say yes to a life that you actually love and dismantling this belief that we have to be stuck in jobs that we hate and things that misalign because we have to, you know, just for the sake of needing the money, just for the sake of doing things because society tells us we have to. And instead doing things because we love them and they light us up and it's what we actually want to do and it's what we're meant to do in this lifetime and really cultivating and creating our lives in a way where we can do that, where we can say yes to the opportunities that light us up and come our way, where we can be the people that we want to be and really creating that and building that in a way that actually brings it into reality instead of being this dream that many of us believe we might never be able to achieve. Yeah. So with that, um, you have empowered abundance that you're doing with um with people so how are you yeah taking your social rebellion into empowered abundance with clients that you're working with yeah thanks so much for asking uh empowered abundance is a program that i developed that really focuses on a lot of what we've been talking about and bringing intention into how you're creating your reality And empowered abundance really focuses on the energy of money because money is one of those powerful assets that we are spending. And as we spend our money, we are creating our reality. 
And many of us are living from this place of scarcity, fear, lack, not enoughness. And many of us have a complicated relationship with money that often keeps us stuck or holds us back from living the life we really, really want to live. And so with Empowered Abundance, I love working with entrepreneurs, coaches, and healers to help them transform their relationship with money, be really in control of their money so that they can live the lives that they want to live. And as a result, transform the world because that's what all of us who are awake and you know choosing this path walking this pirate path that's what we're doing is we are seeking to change the world seeking to make a big impact and often money and our relationship to money will be the thing that holds us back from doing that and that's why i created empowered abundance because empowered abundance addresses the internal belief the relationship with money addresses the scarcity stories, the fear stories, the lack stories. And it addresses all of this internal work in a way where you're transforming your relationship with money. And it also brings in the tangible component of money. So in my work, I like to see the internal work, the story work, the mindset work as the feminine side of money. And then the tangible work as the masculine side. So what I mean by tangible is getting your money down on paper and having a method for actually managing your money. So I do a lot of work with spreadsheets. I have built a really cool spreadsheet template. This is again, my my biz hippie modalities coming together. Yes, I'm super hippie coaching, but I love a good spreadsheet. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the business. So learning to develop your relationship with money in a way where blueprinting and managing your money actually becomes fun and energizing. And it becomes a method for creating the life that you want to live. And so I teach my clients how to wield their money instead of being afraid of their money and not knowing what to do with it and not being in control of it, really transforming your relationship with money wielding it and using it as a powerful tool to create the life that you want to live. It reminds me too, uh, um, about a year ago or so, a friend um, gave me an Abraham Hicks book. um, And in there, there was an exercise on um, each day, like you're, you, it's getting you in the thought practice of money is going to continue to come to you. So each day you gain a thousand dollars. The first day you have a thousand dollars that you get in your bank account, you can make it look as real as you want. Like they even suggest make it real. <laughs> I think it was written back when checkbooks were more of a thing, but um, like write it down and then spend it that day because you're getting more tomorrow and it's going to be a thousand dollars more. So the next day it's 2000 and you go and you spend it. And in that, like I, I did it for about 10 days and then I stopped. So I got up to $10,000, but in that just realizing too, like, okay, well, if I can spend my money on anything, what do I want my life to look like? Like it was at first, it was this weird thing of like, well, I just have, I have a hundred dollars left to spend. What am I going to spend it on? And I'm like, the idea is to avoid any of those things that you would typically spend money on. And yeah, it's not only a practice in becoming more comfortable with the abundance mindset, but also in what is your life 
what do you want it to look like? How do you feel when you pick this item versus that? And you start to envision like, what, what is it, what is your dream life? And yeah, it was, it was a fun practice to get into and also giving that extra idea too of like, all right, well, yeah, if I don't, if I'm not in that scarcity, if I'm in abundance, what do I want life to look like? <laughs> yeah, I actually know exactly what book you're talking about. And mm-hmm. I have done that exercise. And I love that exercise. I actually have my checkbook from that, like oh. underneath my desk right now, as we're speaking. So <laughs> that's really funny. And, and one of the things that I learned from that specific exercise that I do apply to this work is that your dream life, your most highest vibrational aligned, thriving life has a number attached to it. Mm. It really does, even though we don't necessarily want to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. But when you have all of the money in the world, what I realized from that exercise was, wow, I really don't need a lot of money to be happy. Like mm-hmm. after a certain point, I was like, I don't know what else to do. I've already taken my whole family to Greece for a month. I've already, you know, bought a whole new wardrobe of sustainable clothing. I got myself a new mattress. I buy healthy organic food in this, you know, made up exercise. And I spent all of my money and then I had all this money left over. And I was like, wow, I really don't need to be a million, million, millionaire. Mm -hmm in order to be happy. And I feel that a lot of us have gotten into this mindset of, I just need to be rich and then I'll be Mm -hmm. happy. But that's really not the case because Mm -hmm. if we really looked at the reality of what is your most thriving life? What does it look like? What are all the details of that life that you're living? And if you write that down on paper, you can calculate exactly what that lifestyle costs in order to live, like there is an amount attached to it. And this is why this work is so powerful is because it grounds it into reality. Instead, it's just like the story work process, you know, with story work, we're taking these stories that are just floating about in our reality, they seem big and complex and confusing, and they're controlling our lives. But when you get it down on paper, now it has a start, it has an end, you know the reality of the situation. It's right there in front of you. It takes all the fear out of it. It takes all the unknown out of it. And that's what having a financial blueprint does. And I use the word blueprint because I've translated the word budgeting out of my work. So a lot of people say, oh, I need a budget or I don't need a budget. But budgeting tells you what you can't do. Just like a diet tells you what you can't eat. It's limiting. It's restricting It's rooted in the belief that you have to cut back or that you're doing something wrong by spending on things you want to spend on. So instead, I help build financial blueprints because a blueprint tells you what you can do with the money you do have. And it becomes an outline and a structure for how you want to build and create your life. If you want to build a building, if you want to build yourself a beautiful retreat center, You have to have a blueprint. You have to know exactly what it is you're going to build. And so on a foundational level, it's a powerful tool for when you're just starting off your business to know, okay, what am I working towards? How can I support myself? How can I survive? How can I start to create foundations of this life by being in control of my money, by being in control of my resources? And then After that, it becomes a powerful tool for manifestation because then you can 
very clearly write down, okay, this is every single thing I want in my highest vibe life. And then it's a step-by-step map for actually manifesting it, actually creating it, because you know exactly what it's going to take to achieve it at exactly what dollar amount you have achieved it. And so now it's not just floating out there in the abyss of some future time that may or may not ever happen based on some arbitrary income amount. And instead, it's great. Exactly when I make $10,000 a month, I know that I can live my best life. And that's it. You know, (laughs) and that number is different for everybody. Hmm. I really like the how you said budget tells you what you can't do, just like dieting tells you what you can't eat. Like, yeah, uh, I hadn't thought about it that way. But now that you say it, I'm like, that's most likely why I've been like, I don't like the idea, but I understand the idea of a budget, but I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But that makes sense. Cause yeah, you, I, you think you're telling yourself what you can do. Cause you're like, I can put this much money toward new clothes a month. I can do spend this much, but you're actually also saying, but if it goes over, I cannot spend any more. So yeah, right. it's like saying, it, even though it's saying I can put 200 towards clothes, mm-hmm. for example, what it's what a budget is really saying is I can only put 200 towards whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. a blueprint is, oh my gosh, I can do this, I can do that. It is changing that one word changes everything entirely. Because I talked to people who don't have a lot of money coming in who are financially stressed and struggling. And I talk to people who have plenty of money coming in, but still feel stressed and (laughs) feel like they're struggling financially. And all of these people along this spectrum have conflict around the idea of doing this work. And it's because we have budget fear. And it's this, oh, well, I don't have a lot of money to manage. So what's the point of getting it on paper? When I have more, then I will do this work. Or people who have plenty of money say, well, I have plenty of money, so I don't need to budget. I don't need to manage it because that's part of my vision is that I can just spend as much as I want whenever I want. Mm-hmm. But the, the truth is, is that no matter what amount you have, it's so powerful to be in control of what you have. Like, for example, the example I love to give is if you only had 24 hours in a day to live, how would you spend every single minute of those 24 hours? What would you spend your time on? What would you prioritize? What would be important for you? What life would you live in those 24 hours? You know, you would make sure you used every single moment really wisely, really intentionally, right? That's part of what makes that 24 hours so magical and special. So imagine you only have a hundred dollars to spend, what are you going to choose to prioritize for that one hundred dollars? And yeah, you can just spend freely and see what happens, but often you're going to spend more than you think or lose the intention. And so instead really being intentional with every single dollar gives you so much power and makes living your best life so much easier because you're being intentional with what you do have. Yeah. I, I like, I like all of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's giving me a lot to think about. So, uh, and with that too, we, we like talking about good trouble. Um, Everybody's got ideas of what good trouble is. We'd love to hear from you. Like, 
Yeah. What, what does good trouble mean when you hear that word? What does it mean to you and how are you creating it? Yeah, that's such a good question. And, and for me, good trouble is really about going against the grain. And so for me and my journey, that has been saying yes to so many things that have inspired me and have been lighting me up, which has led me down this incredible path, you know, of becoming a yoga instructor, of attending so many retreats, of becoming a Reiki practitioner and a uh, like fascial release practitioner as well. And a coach, like there's so many things that I have developed and skills that I've developed and connections I have made because I have said yes to so many opportunities And it was really scary for me. It was really hard because a lot of these things took large financial commitments. And it's scary to say, yes, I'm going to spend $2,000, $3,000 on this experience, on this transformation, on this thing I really want but feel like I shouldn't say yes to. And for me, I, because of my lifestyle of being a perfectionist achiever, When I first started my business, I had a savings account. I had a large savings account that I had been saving for most of my life for something important, like a house that everybody told me I needed to get. And it was really challenging for me to spend all of that money towards investing in myself and saying yes to what I knew was right for me. So every time I spent that money, even though I had the money, to spend. It was a really challenging decision to say yes, to go against the grain. And I had fights with my family who said I was crazy and that I needed to be responsible and get a job and do things differently. And where are you spending all this money? What are you spending all this money for? And thought I was crazy, you know? So that's really the trouble is going against the grain and allowing yourself the space to say yes. And within that, the good part of this trouble is doing it with balance. And so it's one thing to really prioritize the resources that you do have and give yourself the space and opportunity to say yes. And that's why being so in control and harnessing the power of your money is really powerful because you create more space in your life to say yes. And that's a little bit different than saying yes, saying yes, saying yes, and then finding yourself in a debt spiral where you're not also finding this balance in control of money, in control of your resources. And then you feel trapped and you feel stuck in your life. So to me, good trouble is giving yourself as many opportunities as you possibly can to say yes to the life you really want to live. And that comes with a balance of being in control of what you have and also listening to your heart. (laughs) Listen to what it is you really want to become and what it is that lights you up and allow yourself the space to say yes to that. I think of those awkward, yeah, awkward yeti jokes a lot with the the heart, (laughs) brain and heart are um, at odds with each other. Every now and again, they agree. Oh, lost Kristen. <laughs> Hopefully she comes back to us here quickly. She's been getting kicked off a couple times here. 
cool. Well, while we're waiting for Kristen to come back, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Empowered Abundance and who do you work with and and what kind of work, uh, how do you coach people through this? Yeah, absolutely. So Empowered Abundance is currently, and it has shifted over time, but it is for entrepreneurs, it's for healers, it's for coaches who are really ready to live their most thriving lives. And so the work that we do is, as I've mentioned, this combination of masculine and feminine. So on the one hand, I do support you in building and creating your own custom financial blueprint. So I do walk you through building a spreadsheet, customizing it to you so that you know exactly how to do it, you know, exactly how to be in control of your money and how to use it to supercharge and create your best life. And then in tandem with that, I do offer one-on-one coaching that is part of the program so that you have the support to help you move forward and also address any blocks that come up. Because sometimes money's sticky. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's the scariest thing in the world for people to open their bank accounts and see what the reality of the situation is. So in our one-on-one coaching, I support you in gaining momentum and doing the work and getting to a place where you are the one in control, you know what's going on, you know how to harness the power of this blueprint and use it. And at the same time, I will be there to support you with any mindset blocks, any things that need to be shift, any stories that need to be cleared, and really get that momentum so that you get the end results you need where you are the one holding and wielding this amazing power in your life. Mm-hmm. Back. Kristen's back. <laughs> I could hear back. parts of what you were saying. <laughs> Love my internet. <laughs> um, so, where can our listeners go to find out more about you and if they want to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, my website is thebizhippie.com. And that's also my Instagram handle as well, is at thebizhippie where I love to connect. So always feel free to reach out and DM me very active on Instagram. So especially if you have any questions or want to chat more, that's really the place where we can connect as well. Yeah. And then what advice do you have for our listeners for starting on their own pirate journeys? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I would say that comes back to awareness. That's really the very first thing is recognizing where you are currently, what is working or what is misaligned. You know, if you're like me and covered in eczema and driving home, crying regularly, you know, notice that. Like (laughs) pause and bring awareness into where you currently are. And then also notice where it is you want to go and know that you have power in control of making decisions that will start to lead you in that direction. And it, again, comes back to how you're choosing to spend your time, your energy, and your money, what you're choosing to prioritize in your life, what you're choosing to say yes to, and also what you're choosing to say no to. And if you know where you want to go, if you know what life you want to start to create, even if you don't know the whole picture, but even if you know some of it, you can start to shift what you say yes to, what you say no to, what you prioritize to be in alignment with that life. And that's how you create it. 
just step by step, every single decision you make, every action you take, choosing the action that's most in alignment with this future vision for your life. And then it will manifest. It's great advice. <laughs> Thank you for talking with us today. We I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I'll speak for myself, Karan. <laughs> you can speak for me too. Okay, I often really speak for both of us. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, ladies. What a great conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pirate Living Podcast. We really enjoyed our conversation with today's guests and hope you enjoyed it too. If you are enjoying Pirate Living Podcast and all the content we bring to you each week, one way you can support us is to buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash pirate living. Other ways you can show your support as well, subscribe and follow Pirate Living Podcast, rate and review our show, and share this podcast with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at Pirate Living Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes, awesome guests, and bonus clips. Pop in and say hi. We love chatting with fellow pirates. You can also reach out to us uh, to learn more about our individual and group coaching programs. Ask her on about her online nutrition programs and in-person programs she's creating for teens. For the little pirates in your life, check out my, Kristen's, Abracadabra books and my wins journal on Amazon. And check out Language Ninjas on Instagram. You can also check out our pirate merch at our online pirate shop or on TeePublic. The links to these are in the show notes, so check there. And as usual, keep creating good trouble.